Oh, we are live. Hey, 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 what is up? My name is Dr. Nima Romani. I'm just getting everything all tuned up here on our clubhouse as well as on Facebook Live. Once again, if you're brand new, what's up? So I had a question. Can a trauma bond be resolved in a relationship? Is it even possible? I had this question after my last Facebook Live. Those of you who are on Clubhouse, welcome. I'm also broadcasting live on Facebook Live in my trigger-proof Facebook community. If you want to get eyes on this conversation as well, it just helps. I find it helps to have. Make and sure I also have these, my, my little... Um, uh, visuals as well. I'm a visual type of person. So if those of you who are visual, please join me in the Trigger Proof Facebook community and uh, on Facebook. and Or if you're watching on replay uh, on YouTube or on my podcast, my Trigger Proof podcast, welcome. My name is Dr. Nima Romani and I love helping people break free from trauma bonds to create secure relationships in their lives because I discovered a long time ago in my chiropractic practice that the reason why many people are coming to see me are because of stress-related problems, anxiety disorders, uh, digestive disorders, chronic pain, chronic fatigue. If you really investigated when your symptoms show up, if you don't believe me, if you've ever had any chronic pain, chronic fatigue, just trace it back, you know? Uh, fibromyalgia, uh, real deep pain. Just look back in your life. What, where was there a corresponding conflict? It's, it's kind of like clockwork, I would ask my patients in my chiropractic practice, to the point where it got to a point after about 10 years, I said, I think I want to teach people why they get sick in the first place. I didn't know it at the time because I just kind of went, you know, when you start on a journey and you go on an adventure, you don't really know. You can't, you can plan for it, but you can't really plan for it. That was me leaving chiropractic in 2016, 2015, 2016 is when I sold my practice and I went on an adventure to teach people the root cause of their um, health issues. Little did I know that I was myself on my own hero's journey, trying to figure out and navigate why I was constantly falling into the same patterns in my own relationships, kind of like the wounded healer story. I had already been through a divorce. Me and my ex were on decent terms. Uh, my ex-wife, Maria, were on very decent terms, but we just kind of went our own separate ways after a little bit of a rough patch back in 2011, 2012, after a three-year marriage. But I would just find myself in a constant pattern of, I don't want to use the word toxic, but let's call it repetitive patterns within relationships. They weren't really toxic. I mean, I just got divorced. I acted like a, a divorced dude would, you know, finding his freedom and promiscuity and wanting to fuck everything that walked and wanting to validate myself with, you know, uh, female attention and all to cover up this paralyzing insecurity of really not feeling enough. But I didn't really know it at the time. Cognitive, I didn't know it in, in my, I knew it in my body, but I didn't really want to admit that to myself. 
Because on the other side of this, I have this really cool gift of being able to see through people. You know, as 50, 20 years of being a chiropractor, putting your hands, you know, uh, you know, and reading people's energies, you really, and, and getting into conversations, you really find out, you can get on a call with me and I can, within five minutes, know, boom, exactly where the problem is. Not only that, but I have this weird intuitive sense when we get on, when I get on calls with clients, especially in the first session that we do, where I can already see where their gifts are and what they're going to be doing in like three to five years if they just do their inner work and clear all of the obstacles, you know, the not enoughness, the inner critic and all of that crazy responses that we have to trauma that stop us from really giving our gifts. Like I really have gotten good at that. So over time, when I would see my patients with these conundrums, with their health issues, um, I started creating these workshops in my clinic called Life Skills for a Stressful World when I would teach them everything that I learned from the masters that I was studying from. John Demartini, uh, Byron Katie, Joe Dispenza. Like I was like soaking it up like a sponge for my own life. Um, really good at helping others. You come to me with a problem, you know, you know, maybe you're the same. Let me know if you're the same. You're the type of person who does so much personal growth and personal development that you just know it all here. So when somebody comes to you with a problem, oh, problem, finding the cause of their issue. Ah, I see what your problem is. You got to do this, 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 and this. That was me. But in my own life, there was this incongruency happening because I was involved in a relationship that I was hiding in the shadows. You know, there was she's not somebody you bring home to mom. You know, she's a former sex worker turned madam who, you know, she used to call herself, I'm a hustler with a heart of gold. She was a hustler. Uh, she was a hustler since she was 19 and I really admired her entrepreneurialness. She was a very powerful woman and uh, I, I was there and she saw my videos and I was able to help her with her health issues, you know, her, her food sensitivities. I created this methodology called the overview method, which I'm going to talk about essentially, um, to answer the question of, you know, can you heal, can a trauma bond heal and restore a relationship? You know, I, I want to answer that question for you, but so I was able to help her. And so I thought, you know what? That gave me such validation to be able to help her. And then she helped me with my business and we created this shared fantasy and unknowing, unbeknownst to me, and I didn't know it at the time because I, I hadn't reached that level of uh, personal growth and healing in my own journey. And as healers, or I don't like to use the word healers, but facilitators of healing, whether you're going to a therapist, whether you're going to a doctor, whether you got a, somebody with a PhD on their wall, all of them are genuinely good people that want to help. The problem is we can only take you as far as we've done our own work, right? I can't take you as far. I can't take you far if I, you know, I can tell you what to do, but there's a difference if I'm living it, right? So it's like going to a personal trainer who's like 40 pounds overweight. They can tell you what to do, how to eat, but there's a difference if they're living it. Well, at the time, I was really good at helping people heal from their uh, past, 
the overview method I created was a cognitive tool that helped you go back and reshift and restructure the story that you once thought was in the way. You actually are able to see it as on the way and be able to kind of resolve so many um, question marks and stories of victimhood. The problem with it, though, was that I didn't have any tools or awareness to be able to uh, have any impact on the narrative that happens in our nervous system because we have wiring. What about the things if you go to therapist or counselor or whatever or do you know Landmark or Demartini or any of the wonderful tools out there, what happens to the stuff that happened when you didn't have the language, excuse me, to describe it? What about the stuff, what about the traumas that you experienced when you were pre-verbal or when you were in utero? You know, it's not like you can just, you know, talk that, talk your way out of that at a therapist's office. And that was what was happening. Whereas both of us were really deeply committed to the work of cognitive restructuring, we were both at the effect of a trauma bond. And it wasn't until about two or three years into the relationship where things were super duper volatile, you know, we would have these volatile arguments that sometimes we get physical. Both of us were abusive to one another. Uh, I would, uh, I knew exactly how to trigger her childhood wounds. Her wounding was abandonment. So if I just wanted to say fuck off and I got up and left, woo, that was, that, that would just totally set her off. Sometimes she would literally physically barricade the door. She could easily trigger my uh, childhood wounding, my biggest fear. I'm Persian, right? So the most important thing uh, to a Persian is looking good. So her biggest way of kind of triggering me and really pushing my buttons was the threat of public exposure. I'm going to tell everybody that you're a fraud, that you, you know, get triggered and you get, you have this really, you know, you're just not congruent. And so, oh my gosh, that was like my biggest fear. And so underneath every toxic trauma bond. And I don't like that word, but I'm just using it because this is a Facebook live uh, or a podcast. And I like to make sure that I, I can relate to, to the language that you're used to. But my job is to join you in that language and then lead you into more empowering language because your nervous system reads language and interprets it in your neuroception. You know, a word or a look can be you know, impacting you. So to, to label yourself or label other people as toxic is, is, is an incomplete awareness because we're just at the effect of our wounding. And so nobody gets together by chance. We got together as a perfect match to bring up our wounding. The problem is I didn't have the tools, the somatic-based tools, I just had the cognitive, which was talk, talking and, you know, changing perceptions. I didn't have access to the stuff that was before I was pre-verbal. And as it turns out, most of my trauma, the biggest trauma of my life, let me know if you can resonate with this at all. Write it in the comment section. I'd love to hear. My biggest trauma happened when I was two years old before I had the language to, um, describe it. And I didn't even know that, I didn't even know, I thought trauma was just physical violence or sexual abuse. I did not know that trauma can also be separation. I was separated from my mother at the age of two. 
And I look today, for example, now I'm happily married uh, in a secure relationship now with we now have a 21 month old in the recording of this of this transmission. Today, my wife went to the grocery store to grab something. And literally, when she walked out, Dominic just you've you know, you have if you've had kids, you've seen this mom was gone for it wasn't longer than 10 minutes. He had a full blown tantrum when she left. He's 21 months old, almost around the same age that I had my separation trauma. Well, my mother left for three months to leave Iran to come to Canada with my twin brother. So I had separation from my brother and my mother for three months, not knowing when she's coming back, if she's coming back, not having the language to describe it. You know, I have a lot of compassion for that little two-year-old now because at the time I didn't remember and none of my cognitive tools ever even touched that. And it wasn't until I dropped into my first ever breathwork session where my awareness of that pain that was still stored in my body and trauma isn't what happened to us. It's the, it's the energy that's still trapped in the body because we didn't have a safe and empathetic witness to help us resolve it and discharge those emotions from the body and those repressed emotions that we hide from that we turn our backs on or suppressed emotions that we deliberately push down because or push away or kind of detach from because they're too painful, they actually create illness. This is attachment trauma. This is adverse childhood events. And according to the ACE study, if you've ever looked it up, looked it up, adverse, look it up if you want, the adverse childhood events study, there is a very high correlation and strong predictor for your chronic illnesses and chronic pain is childhood adversity. So this, and childhood adversity, not, it's not just physical trauma, foster care, uh, it's separation sexual abuse, uh, emotional abuse, uh, all of that to a child's nervous system causes a child to separate from themselves. And this separation from the physiology, from the body, is the highest predictor for illness in later on in life. So unless we and, and, and the problem is talking to a therapist is very helpful or a counselor is very helpful to expose the wounding, but it does not resolve it. To resolve it, we must enter it from a body-based perspective and master practices that help us release the energy that wasn't released when we were children. If we don't, what happens is this unresolved wounding from insecure attachment to a caregiver, like my mother, I'm using myself as the example, that insecure attachment to mom that wasn't there, wasn't consistent, unbeknownst to me, informed exactly, informed like the, the the kind of foundation of my nervous system wiring and how I show up in relationships. So how do you think a child, a two-year-old child, if I look at Domzi, my son, if Do Diana like left for three months, what would he do? What would happen to his nervous system when she came back? Now, he's still alive, right? But there's this 
there's this incompleteness and my parents sure as heck did not have a trauma-informed wellness uh, awareness they didn't have the tools that i have that i've gained they just were like ah he's crying and just he'll get over it right or you had the ferber method the cry it out method a child's nervous system doesn't know what to do with that amount of dysregulation. So the child learns to leave the body and creates this narrative that mom is not safe. I'm not getting my emotional needs met. My, my needs are not met. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. My reality is not validated. I'm not held in a really safe container where I'm understood. So what does the child do? The child will then take on uh, an adaptive response and create either a, a grandiose sense of self, which is what happened to me, and be, have, take on some narcissistic traits of grandiosity, I gotta be the best, highly competitive, to compensate for that sheer panic and pain of not feeling seen by a mother that wasn't available either emotionally, physically, because of her own wounding, because of her addictions, because of her mental state. Or the other solution is I'm going to put on a mask and create a, well, essentially the, the solution to this, this trauma is a mask, masks. Who do I have to be to get my needs met? And to take on these roles these identities in childhood that inform every single relationship, our sense of self-worth, our sense of worthiness, our sense of deserving, what we feel safe to receive. And literally that forms the blueprint of every single relationship. Unbeknownst to us, that's stuck in our body. Right, And so then what will end up happening is we will get into relationships with others to try to resolve what was incomplete. Now, most of the people who DM me and tell me their backstory and say they're ready to heal, the question that they have is, all right, I'm now in a trauma bond. A trauma bond is your unconscious strategy. Unconscious. It's this pull, this love at first sight. You know, if you if you want to make sure you watch uh, replay, watch the replay. Go on YouTube, uh, watch Anatomy of a to uh, of a Toxic Relationship, Toxic Relationship, a dissection. I dissect exactly how it happens, uh, and it's it's a it's a good one. So make sure you watch that uh, if you want a, a background on that, uh, and how to heal a trauma bond in six, in less than six months. Watch those two for a little background and some interviews on what it took for us to help certain, you know, certain clients go through that where they've literally tried 20 years of therapy and it didn't work. They were constantly going around the merry-go-round doing the exact same thing and for good reason. So the question was asked, you know, can, if, if I'm in a trauma bond right now, I just realized it, I've been following your content, I'm concerned, do I stay or go? Can we heal? And one of the, some of the times, um, that's used as the codependent to kind of block them from taking on the healing role. One of your biggest obstacles from healing from your trauma bonds is there's a familiarity to it and there will be a part of you that pushes healing away. This is what you're going to have to come up with. You, It comes up in all these excuses like, I don't have the time. I'm super busy. 
Oh, I'm just busy. Oh, I'm so ready to heal. Ready. And then the, it's like, oh, really? Okay, cool. So here's the door. Here's what you got to do. It's like, mm, you know what? I'm really busy. You know, uh, I'm really busy. Uh, really, I can't afford it. It's like, okay, so if this was your son and he was going through the same thing and they needed the help, oh, I'd find a way, but not for you? Ah, well, that's the trauma speaking. That's the feeling of undeserving, the guilt in taking care of yourself and, and making yourself a priority. There's so many obstacles. You're listening to this um, Facebook Live. You're listening to this. It's way, way harder than it sounds. It, we cannot do it alone, <laughs> and, and but nobody can do it for us. But essentially, can we heal this trauma bond? If I heal this trauma bond, can a relationship resolve? And the answer is, or, or what if they aren't doing the work? My wife or my, I wish my wife would do this. I wish my partner would do this. Not just men that are scared to do it. We got a lot of men who are like doing the work, but their partners, their wives are too scared. They just don't wanna face their shadows. And the truth, that's why, that's, that's the biggest obstacle is that most of us, if you're listening, chances are I'm talking about you. You don't want to face your shadows. What are your shadows? They're the parts of us that we're ashamed of. To kind of raise your hand and ask for help implies that there's something wrong with you and that you're bad and that we hate admitting that there's something wrong with us and that we're bad. It's easier to point fingers and blame the other person and say, well, I don't want to do it if they're not doing it. And the, the example that I like to give is with, with your health, with weight loss. I ask this question, okay, do you need your partner? If you're both 40 pounds overweight and you can both acknowledge that, i.e. you're both in a trauma bond, I, in other words, there are wounds that are left unhealed and unresolved, okay? Let's say equivalent, you're both 40 pounds overweight and it's like now getting to the point where, you know, it's dangerous to your health. You know, there's metabolic issues, there's pre-diabetic, all that. Okay, we're both fat, we're both overweight, but he's not gonna do it. Okay, cool, let's assume he's not gonna do what's necessary to get healthy. Does that mean, does that mean you, it's no, it's not worth it for you? Like, do you need them to do it in order for you to do the healing work? Okay. So that's the first kind of point that I want to make. The second point that I want to make is a lot of times in many of our cases, we have, for example, um, Caleb and Jenna, for example, Caleb was dealing with anxiety. He dealt with, uh, infidelity and he was just like at a point where him and his wife were Jenna were completely dis disconnected they weren't even sleeping in the same bedroom and um, he reached out to me he'd been following my stuff it wasn't her that reached out he reaches out to me and says I got to do something you know and I'm said is is your wife there is she there he's like yeah I said could you go get her please <laughs> So he goes and he gets her and we were on a Zoom call and we just started talking and I just asked her what the relationship was like and she was just like, it's terrible. Um, he had, you know, kind of, he had a deeply traumatized past um, and because of that uh, was constantly dealing with low self-esteem, anxiety, kind of like almost like a bipolar, like 
extreme like highs and extreme lows and he got himself into a little bit of legal trouble uh and uh he kind of behaved in ways that uh were naughty naughty and was about to lose her but she felt she, because he beca he became suicidal after and because he was in such a dark place uh she couldn't she couldn't feel seen and heard because it was all about him and his issues right so she was completely blocked she was completely disconnected she wasn't feeling seen and heard so we got on a call and one of the things that we do on our discovery calls with me and my team is we get to the truth you know we have this what's called an intimacy audit where people who are like really stuck we have a kind of like a come to Jesus moment where it's like, all right, let's get to the truth. And we got to the truth and he's, and she basically said, we need to do something, otherwise we're done. And so I said, look, you know, Caleb's gonna start doing the work and, and join our Cycle Breakers community. But um, it sounds like, you know, you haven't spoken to your dad in the last eight years. And she's like, oh, I don't have any problems. I already, you know, I already do meditation and I've, I've already done all that work. She was like, ah, oh. I said, but you haven't spoken to your dad. Yeah, but he's an asshole and da, 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 da. I'm like, I'm going to highly recommend that you do your healing work as well. So this isn't just Caleb without you. Right. And she was like, okay, well, we got to do something. And I got to applaud her. She was like, all right, I'm going to do it too. And the coolest part was none of the work is like couples counseling. Couples counseling is akin to two people, and I'm sure it's helpful, but it's only useful if you don't know how to communicate safely with one another and feel seen and heard. You don't have the skills, you need an intermediary. Once our students actually do their inner work and they learn these five pillars, they don't need somebody to kind of be the mom. It's usually like a couples counselor, like a psychologist or whatever, who's playing the role of mummy and these two children are trying to be seen. See, see, tell them they're wrong. It's fucking annoying. There's people who come try to do that in our events and I'm like, get the, like, get the fuck out of here. This isn't about trying to be validated. This is about us going inward, not to take the blame, but to take responsibility to heal the cause, the dynamic, what the 50%, the 100% responsibility for our side of the street. If you're having, any hope in healing this, you gotta take 100% responsibility for your 50% of the, your side of the street, even if the other person isn't willing to do it. So the question I had, uh, you know, it's like I have for many people who are kind of shy about taking on the work uh, to, to heal from their trauma bond is, okay, if, if you want somebody, if you want your partner to lose weight and to get healthy, What's the best way to, for you to do it? To shame them into doing it? To guilt them? To constantly point fingers and say, you should do the work to become their parent? Who really wants to fuck that? <laughs> if you try to be their parent, that's, no. How do you do it? You put your head down, is why we tell our students, you put your head down and you go all in with you. Because one of two things are gonna happen and, and either way is a win. The first thing is what we hope for, you know, in, in most cases, um, that the other person sees and goes, holy crap, there's a radiance to you that I do not want to lose and I'm scared of losing you and I'm gonna do whatever it takes 
So I'm going to do the work too. And that happens about 50 to 60% of the time. And so what'll happen is the other person will take on the work. And this is kind of what happened with uh, Pamela. They were doing couples counseling for years. He had had infidelity. And finally she jumped in. She says, I want to be a cycle breaker. She jumps in. After about six weeks, she looks at him in a couples counseling and says, this isn't working for me. I'm moving on. And she fucking owned her feminine goddess radiance. And guess what happened? He was like, okay, he helped her move. And he realized, shit, I don't want to lose her. So he stepped up in his own right and did the work. But he was avoiding it. He was just kind of like hiding behind going to a couple's counselor and just arguing to be seen and it just wasn't working. Finally, when she got serious and said, yeah, I'm willing to let this go. That's when he, and, and uh, in other words, the analogy is she lost the weight, even though she didn't need to lose any weight. She's beautiful exactly as she is. And she's healthy exactly as she is. She lost the emotional baggage weight. And he looked and said, I want, I want that too. And I, I, I don't want to lose you. And so because she owned her power, and broke that kind of pattern of codependency of waiting, waiting, and that sitting on the fence. And she said, no, that's it. I'm investing in me. I don't need his permission. I'm investing in me. This is for my healing, and this is for me to teach my three, our three children what to, that, that they dare not settle for anything except top-notch in their relationship. She wanted to be an example. And then within a year, they completely, he stepped up, they moved back in, and they still go through challenges, but they've stepped up for each other, right? So she healed from her bonds to her trauma. She took ownership that there was a, an unconscious dance going on with her mother and father <clears throat> that she took on, and she healed from the trauma bond itself, and it's got nothing to do with your partner, this partner that you're obsessed with kind of, are they going to do the work? Are they going to, what if I told you it's got nothing to do with that partner? When you go all in and to heal that, the bond to the trauma heals. And all of a sudden, you will not tolerate being treated anything less than what you've invested in you. So there's an obstacle there's fear. There's, oh my gosh, what if I focus on healing me and then I lose that person? Yeah, you got to be willing to go all in with you. And that was the reward. And Caleb and Jenna, wow, that was two years ago when we had to, maybe three years ago when we had that conversation. Today, they have, are building their dream home. They were on the brink of divorce, not even sleeping in the same room for like seven months. Now they're building their dream home. Not only that, they, there's such a shift in their dynamic because they both took on the work. That's ideal, isn't it? Both parties are like, yes, I'm willing to. And, you know, if you're, if you're listening, really send this uh, to your partner, sit down and watch this with them and say, look, are you willing to do what it takes? If you're willing to do what it takes, I'd love to hear from both of you. Send me a DM, even though you don't need that other person to do it. But breaking free from your trauma bond alone literally shifts the field, the container of the relationship and elevates you. So two things happen. Either they step up and meet you there or with, a, with love, with loving intent and loving awareness, you part ways. And 
the kids don't have to deal with the collateral damage and you save hundreds of thousands in legal expenses and court battles because you can actually have conversations because there's compassion. And that's, that's the, 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 the win of the work. Do they need to do the work? No, not necessarily. We've actually had lots of cases. One comes to mind, Stacy. She's a teacher and she's on the brink of divorce and she's a grandmother. She's like, I've had it, I'm done. She's a grandmother, right? And he doesn't do the work. He, he's, he's that kind of guy. He's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. This is kind of weird healing. And then uh, no, I'm not gonna do that. She starts doing the work and jumping. She reached out. She filled out an application, jumped on a call with Kim. And she's like, I have to, I have to do this for my kids. I just want to know, you know, whether to stay or go. And we went through the five pillars, which I'm about to share. And lo and behold, after three months, it was like, hey, Stace, what's going on? She's like, you know what? Now that I've healed from my trauma bonds, I don't see the relationship the same. Just me, a rising tide lifts all boats. He's now stepping up as well, and he's not doing any work. In other words, the lens in which I view the relationship container has totally changed. So you've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. A healing from a trauma bond is a lifelong process because we're bonded to our trauma due to the identity that we were born into, and that's not going anywhere. But the work of the path of becoming a cycle breaker is about learning the skills to take the trigger, the emotional flashbacks that keep coming up within the dynamic, and then resolving within ourselves and then repairing. It's all about repair. And so I'm gonna show you the five pillars. If you're not on, if you're on Clubhouse, you won't be able to see this, but I have my little, um, my little, uh, what do you call it? Visuals, audio, my little visuals that you'll be able to see. So these are the five pillars that I had to create because it wasn't out there. There aren't that many um, offers that are both cognitive based, which is, you know, talking and all that, and somatic based, because you can't miss, you, you can't leave one out. I was leaving out the somatic part and I was repeating the same process. I could not find a secure relationship. But once I put the top down cognitive base and the bottom up somatic together, boom, I now have a secure relationship. And we have conflict. 
It happens, but we repair. It's all in the repair. So here's the process I'm going to share with you. So there's this. Hold on one second here. I'm being a little picky here. Here it is. So there's, you might want to make a drawing. So I'm drawing three circles, kind of like a Venn diagram. The bottom one is nervous system regulation. And this is somatic. It's not just meditation without nervous system attunement. So, like I sucked at meditation. So if your nervous system is in a dorsal freeze, then meditation is not helpful for you, right? Learning how to drop into the body. Somatic nervous system regulation is the first step to breaking the trauma bond. Why? Because you're gonna go through emotional flashbacks and there's no way that your brain is working, your nervous system is working, you'll be able to communicate when you are eight years old, <laughs> you know? Or you can go to the therapist and talk for that hour, but then what? one hour a week, but what happens to the other 23 hours and six days in the week? You know, you've spent five grand, 10 grand after, you know, several years, several years, and you haven't really moved the needle. That's what most of our students say. This is like being chased by a tiger and learning nervous system regulation and the autonomic nervous system and mastering that is like being chased by a tiger and then learning how to tame the tiger. The second part is um, clearing past resentments. Resentments. So the resentments we're holding on to, the things that you think that you've forgiven, if you can check into your body, good chance that you haven't, right? And so um, resentment is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. And healing from resentment doesn't mean spiritual bypassing. One of the risks in the healing world and the personal development world is just get over it. It's just a story. This is what they do in Landmark, which I love. I was a Landmark coach for two years and I studied it. It's got some amazing distinctions, but one of the things that they really miss out on is, oh, it's just a story. You're just making meaning out of it. Just, But what about the story that's happening in your body? You cannot cognitive bypass. If you don't clear the past resentment somatically, you're experiencing cognitive bypass, you'll get triggered, you'll go back into emotional flashback and that trauma bond just keeps going and going. And then you'll keep repeating and reenacting the trauma. Not because you're a bad person or it's your fault or it's your, yours to blame, but it's just so familiar. You know, you, you don't even feel safe in a secure relationship. If somebody starts showing, without doing this part, somebody shows up for you who's secure, you'll be like, get the fuck away from me. Ew, there must be something wrong with you if you're like wanting to show up for me. Give me the one that is inconsistent, who I have to pine for. That's unfortunately how it works. The third part is dancing with your dark passenger. Dark passenger is our shadow. This little ego part of us that really um, is tricky. You know, the part of us, the biggest, biggest threat to our relationships is our self-concept and everybody wants to be the good guy and everybody thinks that the other person is the villain and our ego really is a cunning blockage 
of our part and the part that we can play the villain. Our ego doesn't want to feel that shame. So it'll block and deflect everything. And you've all been in relationships, whether it's with your parents or you've been in a relationship with somebody who simply does not have the capacity to hear feedback and, and, and to listen to it because of their shame without deflecting it back on you or projecting it back on you. And that, that is a huge threat to secure relationships and our trauma bond. And, and then we, we pair with somebody who's going to keep bringing that shit up constantly again and again. And then we point the finger, we leave that person and say, fuck that person. And then you start with somebody new and then wait a second, same pattern, different haircut. I found myself dating the same person again and again and again until finally um, it took some courage for me to go, all right, maybe there's something internally for me to look at. And um, we don't want to do that. This is the hardest part. And without a guide, you, you cannot watch a YouTube video or a Facebook Live or a Clubhouse and expect that that's going to be the thing that's going to do it. You can't. You got to have somebody holding a reflection. And your biggest obstacle is you're not going to want to see it. You don't want to face your shadows. You don't want to feel those emotions. You've worked so hard to run away from them. And your health and addictions have suffered because of it. And that's why our some people say our trauma bonds are just impossible to break because of this. But this is one of the components of our cycle breakers training that's critical. And we require guidance and we require a community to circumvent that one-to-one -one sessions don't work but when you watch somebody go through it like we have like in our group training somebody's having a problem and they're stuck behind their ego they can't see it when you're seeing somebody struggle with the same thing you're like oh shit i do the same thing that magically helps you get past get kind of like a be behind the scenes look at your ego through other people, through the community. That's why the community container is so important. So that's the third part is dancing with your dark passenger. And the next one is pillar number four is learning empathic communication. And this is the inner critic talking a lot of shit within you. Um, and we really talk trash. And it's a practice. It's a commit, committed practice, almost like learning a brand new language, Greek, all of a sudden, never spoken Greek. You got to kind of stumble through a new type of conversation with yourself and then with others in a way of actually holding space for them to feel seen. And that helps us repair and increases our chances of going from insecure trauma bond to a secure relationship. Without learning this, it's literally impossible. We're constantly looking to be seen and heard and supported by a therapist in our victim story. And here we are stuck in our dynamic waiting for a mommy and daddy to come and rescue us. And the last one is commitment. Commitment and community. Pardon my shitty writing there, but we can't do it alone and nobody can do it for us. And it takes warrior-like discipline. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not even going to happen over a weekend workshop. I used to, you know, do weekend demartini uh, experience. It's amazing. And you have this amazing breakthrough. But, you know, if you've had a pattern or an identity that's been you've been bonded with, like you've always been the the, the good girl, 
or you've always been like the golden child or you were the scapegoat as a child in your family system, that wounding and that pattern and that identity doesn't go away overnight. It's a lifetime commitment to undo. So healing our bonds from our trauma is a lifetime commitment and practice. You know, it's finding safety and security within ourselves so that we can create that in others. And when you get the past resentments, you've cleared these past resentments and you have um, regulated that nervous system, you develop a sense of presence. You're able to be present rather than stuck in the past or constantly worrying about the future. People start noticing, you know, our students constantly DM me going, wow, my friends are noticing something totally different about me. I'm like, I know. It's so powerful when you gradually take on the work of healing these trauma bonds. <clears throat> One of our students from last last month's overview experience was, you know, felt betrayed by her ex-husband. They have four kids together. <clears throat> She's actually on this uh, face uh, on this uh, clubhouse. Good to see you, hon. I'm not gonna call you out there, but. Uh, um, she was like, is this going to help my relationship with my ex? Because I'm kind of tied to him forever. We have four kids together. It's not like I can get rid of him. Is this going to help my relationship with him? Because I have a lot of resentment and he's not going to do the work. And one month later, she's like, holy shit, I can't believe how much understanding and compassion I have towards him without abandoning myself in the process. So I'm not suggesting Stockholm syndrome, which is a trauma bond where you empathize with the person who's hurting you before, you know, healing yourself. This is like, um, true compassion after you've had understanding and compassion towards yourself. So you develop a sense of understanding when you clear that past resentment and you're able to dance with this shadow part of you. It's really magical to see. It's one of my favorite. It really makes my heart sing because the cool part about this is I used to do this work because I wanted to be the hero and the rescuer. But now I take on the role of guide and I just kind of constantly call my student, call the students forward to doing, becoming their own rescuer. And they get the, the, the benefit of knowing it was them that did that. Their self, self-esteem emerges. And when you regulate that nervous system and you dance with that dark passenger, you develop authenticity. Authenticity. I know that's a bit of a mess there, but... Um, I'm doing the best I can on my iPad here, so sorry for the mess here. But you develop a sense of authenticity once you've danced with that shadow. You've learned to show compassion towards those parts of you that you've been pushing away and disowning and really owning finally. And then you have a calm nervous system. People start saying, wow, there's something different about you. You feel so real. You feel so authentic. feel so safe. And that part in the middle right there is self-love. Self-love is the antidote to trauma bonds. And this is the path of the cycle breaker. Self-love and self-trust doesn't just come from watching a YouTube video or a podcast or listening to a podcast. It comes from all of those specific steps. And that was the missing piece for me with all of the personal growth that I did. I was like a junkie for this stuff. I was always enrolled in something and then I realized that the personal development is often a form of self-hate. We do it because we hate ourselves. 
And this level of work, when it's trauma informed and the path of being a cycle is cycle breaker is breaking that cycle and actually finding compassion towards ourselves instead of sh judging, abandoning, blaming, and shaming ourselves, which is why we have anxiety and why we have these insecure attachments. So those are the five pillars to help release the trauma bond. On the other side of that, the answer to should I stay or go gets answered. Either they will step up and meet you because you will not tolerate anything other than a mutual relationship or they're going to give you the gift of walking away on, and there would be a breakup, but it's not going to be as volatile and toxic as it would because you've now armed yourself with some tools. And the greatest revenge is to heal. If you have feeling like this, you want to get back at that narcissist. People are, how do I get back at my narcissist? Like the best, the best way is just to heal, is to become a whole healthy human being, to stop labeling. And we love to label people. You know, it kind of keeps us safe. But when we label people, it really ignores the context of the intergenerational component to the centuries and thousands of years that led your partner to be exactly who they are with their own trauma responses, which was a perfect match for yours. So what are you going to do now? Not your fault. Here we are. Are you just going to keep it going, kind of bury your head in the sand? Or are you going to put your hand up and say, I'm ready to be a cycle breaker? So uh, the invitation to you is if you're resonating with this and you are ready to let go of your victim story, not to blame the victim, not to say it's your fault, but to say, I'm ready to heal. I'm ready to heal my body. I'm ready to heal my relationship with those trauma bonds from my past so that I can really create a safe, secure relationship in my home and have my children feel safe and feel seen and heard and understood. And so that I don't download all of my shame that was part of, you know, kind of like strict religious upbringing or authoritarian parenting or whatever traumas that are stored in your body. When you commit to the process of releasing it and master the tools of the path of becoming a cycle breaker, a rising tide lift all, lifts all boats. And if you're a mother, it's 10 times more important because anything, just think of what it was like growing up in your, your home and how mother's mood and her sense of emotional well-being and how that was impacting you. Well, there's an opportunity for you to take responsibility and know you don't need anyone's permission to heal. Just like you don't need anyone's permission to lose weight, this is the same thing. And so the biggest obstacle you will notice is there's a part of you that knows if you heal, that person, you might outgrow them. And either way, you win. <laughs> and so that's the most heartbreaking part for me is seeing people who are too scared to um, take, that, take that step. But the question is, if your mother or father was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, had the opportunity to do this work, would you judge them for... Would you judge them harshly for making their healing a priority? Or would you say, please, please, for my sake, could you do it? So I'm ready to, if you're ready to break that cycle, I'm inviting you. Um, those of you who are ready, um, I'm already seeing some, some DMs coming through. Uh, 
share, share with me your backstory. Tell me why you are ready to learn how to make these pillars a priority to master like a language so that you could create secure relationships. Give me your backstory and tell me why it is that you're ready. And I'm really inspired to help those who are ready to break the cycle, not just for themselves and their their children, but also for the past generations. Because when you do this work, you impact millions, millions of lives. And consider the possibility that you were put on this earth to be that cycle breaker in your family line. Are there any questions? Uh, are there any questions? Oh, Elliot, oh, thanks for spamming the, uh, the chat there. Hey, Colleen. Yeah, Matt, big love to you. So much, so much love and appreciation for you. Are there any questions before I um, call it a day? Was this useful? Send me, uh, okay, we have one person. I have one question, and then I got a biz ounce for my Cycle Breakers Collective um, call. Go for it. BW361, let's hear it. Yeah, thanks for having me on stage. Um, I just want, and you might have already answered this, but I just wanted to ask you, like, why is it so, well, why is it so hard to let go of that old identity of the trauma um, that we endured growing up? It's a good, great um, question. Because that's the stage I'm in. Like, I feel like I have the tools necessary to, like, break free of it, but I still, like, letting go of it seems like I'm letting go of something valuable, even though yeah. it's no longer serving me. Mm. Benjamin, I just want to tell you that is a fucking amazing question. Why is it so difficult? Well, why do you think it's so difficult? Why the question I'm I'm going to kind of pose back to you Benjamin is why do you think it should be easy? Why does it make sense that it's so difficult? I'm going to I'll I'll answer just give, take a moment and, and answer that answer that question for yourself, but our identity is one of the strongest forces in the universe. You know, if you you are given an identity as a child, if you were given this identity of pleaser and fixer, right, where mom and dad were a sh complete shit show and you had to kind of step up and be the parent or be the, 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 the caregiver or be the kind of like the therapist to the two of them like I was, and you got a lot of validation, you now have a, a, a neurophysiological link between that role and validation. It's your sense of relevance. It's your sense of identity. And it, it helped you survive as a child. It was your survival mechanism. So for you to then go through a wake-up call, which we all have to go through somewhere between late 20s and uh, throughout your 30s, maybe in your 40s, maybe you've had several and you haven't woken up yet and you haven't, you know, you keep kind of like, you're like me, you're like, just keep going to the next one and not really addressing it from at its root like I did. Um, you got a lot of validation from that old identity. To let that old identity go takes monumental courage and most people won't do it unless there's a rock bottom unless there is a like your body breaks down to the point where you get like cancer or you get a diagnosis where the universe and your nervous system says fuck you with this old identity what what had you survive as a child is not going to help you in the second half of life and if you don't change your identity I refuse to be, I refuse to live 
if you're going to be anything other than who you truly are. So it's scary because we don't know, we don't have any data on anything else. So even though it's painful, Benjamin, it's the devil we know. And that's why it's really important to find a guide and a community who specializes in this and, and in a container where you're talking to other people who are in the same boat as you. So you know that you're not alone because going back to the family system before you've individuated kind of is a little dangerous depending because you'll fall back into those old roles and patterns. It's kind of like you were born into a fishbowl with dirty water. So all you've known is the dirty water. It, you just know that that's dirty water and you don't know that it's dirty water until you come into a container like mine or you watch my content where my job is to awaken you to the fact that there's nothing wrong with you, Benjamin. It's just that you were born into a fishbowl of dirty water or you were planted in a garden with deficient and toxic soil. That's all you've ever known. So what we have to do, imagine, we have to uproot you and to go into a new, healthy, fertile soil with proper nutrients, proper sunlight, proper water, hydration. And that's weird. And when we uproot that, it's painful. And, and you're going to be kicking and screaming the whole time. You're like, let me just go back to the familiar. That's why in the movie The Matrix, um, Morpheus says you have to take the red pill. And then there's going to be times where you want to go back and take the blue pill. Why didn't I take the blue pill? Why didn't I take the blue pill? But, but the reward is so worth it, even though it's painful. And that's really why it's so difficult. Um, because it's the devil we know, but unless you're, and that's why most people won't do it until they hit like a painful rock bottom, until they realize that there's a life-threatening injury or illness that wakes you up that says, holy shit, whose life have I been living? Oh my God, it hasn't even been my life. It was given to me. It was ordained. I was given a name. I was given a religion. I was given a set of rules in society to live by. And I don't know who the fuck I am. And so it's kind of like a hero's journey, Benjamin. And every hero's journey requires an Obi-Wan or a Morpheus or a guide. So my suggestion, Benjamin, is to find your Morpheus and to go all in because your, your life is worth it. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Perfect sense. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for asking. Great question. Hopefully that was useful for uh, anyone who was there. Uh, Rita, I see you. It's good to see you, my dear. Um, I, it's, it makes my heart sing to tell my story and to let you know that you're not alone, that um, there are five pillars that we require that's not just cognitive. Um, my, my journey in healing from a trauma bond is living proof that it can happen. And I, I did it with the intent initially of seeing if it would work out, but the answer came to me after about six months of doing the work. I was like, this is not the right relationship with me for me. But then the next part was trying to break free from it. And when I broke free from that relationship, that triggered her abandonment wound and all hell broke loose. And all of a sudden, that's why a lot of people stay in trauma bonds because it's scarier leaving than to actually stay because there's usually a consequence, especially if they've been in a cluster B type of personality situation. So if you're in that situation, I see you, I'm still in it. <laughs> uh, but the good news is you can heal. 
you can find secure love on the other side of choosing to go all in with you. See you at the next perfect time.